Heavenly Father, we just thank and praise you for all the uh, testimonies that were given tonight. And Lord, we thank you that little Xavier's home from the hospital. And Lord, that it wasn't any more serious than it was. We thank you for uh, the other work that you've done. And Lord, thank you for sending your servants by to help us, especially with the uh, baptistry project this week. And Lord, we just uh, thank you that it turned out in such a way that would actually bring glory to your name and be something that we could thank you for. Lord, we just ask now that uh, thank you for all the things that you have done, answered prayers, and Lord, just opportunities to witness, and Lord, uh, just using us in your service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Franz, take our Bibles and open to the book of James as we... Continue in our study of the book of James, and go ye kids, all of you head back with whoever is back there with Mrs. Montoro tonight, let's go, all right, James, uh, we believe, was one of the first of the letters uh, written in our Bible, in our New Testament. And uh, we started and got through James chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And that ends with that command there that, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And of course, That is never going to happen until we learn to count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations. When when the troubles come our way, when the difficulties spring up, when when we feel ourselves being pulled and pinched and tested and and, uh, the fire is getting hot, however you want to put all of those different... Uh, pictures are used at different places in the scriptures. Uh, when that happens, it's time to know that God is working. It's time to, instead of getting upset, uh, oh my God, why are you doing this to me? It is, Lord, there is some work being done. And uh, most of us, if, it, if we were honest, if we could look at ourselves the way God looks at us, we would realize that there's an awful lot more work to be done than we would like to think needs to be done. Uh, there is always work that needs to be done in our lives. And the Bible says we're to count it all joy because patience has to have her perfect work. And when will that perfect work be done? When we're dead. Amen? Uh, and uh, I'll tell you what, you're going to pass from this life into the next at God's appointed time. And if we're not careful, patience will not have had its perfect work and we'll not be ready to stand before that judgment seat in the way that we should or the way that we could if, instead of getting upset at the Lord, realizing that He is working. As the little song we sing in Sunday school, He's still working on me. And... uh, That doesn't mean that it's going to feel good. Amen? Uh, Sometimes it hurts. And uh, we come here to verse 5 where we're going to start. It says, If any of you lack wisdom, 
Let him ask of God that giveth it all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren." Now, as we look at this next portion here, that we start off in chapter 5, if any of you lack wisdom. Now, the idea here is that this is not just a brand new disconnected thought. It says, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing, if any of you lack wisdom. Now, Here's the idea. If you are not living, verse 2, we got a wisdom deficit issue. Uh, we've got a, a, a point in our life we can recognize this. We, can, uh, we don't have to go searching and trying to diagnose the issue. There is a wisdom problem. There is a lack of wisdom in our life when we cannot count it all joy. I, I mean, uh, how many of you have ever uh, really tried to exercise physically and build your strength up for a given uh, job, maybe recovery from surgery or something like that, or... Uh, if you like to do things outdoors for a long bicycle trip or a hiking thing in the woods, or um, my kids are learning, some of them are, are saying, Dad, can I pull your bow back yet? Said, Not until you get a little stronger. Uh, there's got to be some uh, uh, wherewithal there to, to re uh, pull the string back. And uh, you've got to exercise. How many of you have exercised without really knowing you were exercising and all of a sudden you found out about it the next day? Because all them muscles started going, wow, you did th things I wasn't planning on you doing. And, and as we get older, uh, we find out that it doesn't take near as much to bring on those painful episodes as it did when we were younger. And yet, anybody that has ever had uh, 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 an injury and you've got to build that strength up again in that limb or, or uh, in your entire body, if you've been in bed for a long time, you know that it hurts. And yet you say, I got to do this 
so that I can get my strength back. Well, why can't we do that when God puts testing in our lives? The reason we can't do that is because we're not wise enough to understand what's going on. That's just, that's God's diagnosis. And so it says, if you lack wisdom, understand something, there is no alternative pathway. If you do not learn to count it all joy when diverse temptations come into your life, you're, you're not going anywhere as a Christian. You are not going to grow. You're not going to get strength. It's, it's like the person who has been in bed with pneumonia, or very sick and hardly able to move, and now it's time to start moving again. Well, it hurts. So I'm just going to stay in bed. Well, what's going to happen? You're actually going to get pneumonia again and probably die. Uh, You've got to get out of bed. You've got to start working. You've got to start making things happen. Or you can choose to stop living. I mean, there are people who are confined to wheelchairs and, and greatly disabled in their life because they simply chose not to put up with the pain. By the way... We have psychiatric hospitals that are full of people who have simply chosen not to put up with the pain. And so they, they just don't do it. Listen, uh, that is not wise, is it? I mean, that is foolish to ignore, to, to say, I'm just going to quit. I'm not going to live the life that God has given me. And here's the, the cure. It says if you lack wisdom, if you've got a problem here, go to God and ask for wisdom. How many of you have ever prayed about something and say, God, I just don't see it the way you see it yet. I don't understand. I've I got an attitude here and I've got to get it fixed. God will fix it for you. That's what Paul was saying to the Corinthians uh, Uh, There, when he was going through the issue of the covering for the woman and wearing long hair on the men and all this, he says, listen, if if there's contention, I want you to understand, we do not have that tradition in our church. We don't sit here and argue about things. Get the attitude fixed. Paul said in another place, God shall reveal even this to you. What, what is God going to reveal? What I've already written down. It's not an option to change the Word of God. God's got to change you. That's where we get wisdom. And then it says, If we lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Somebody says, does that mean we're all going to be Democrats because God gives it to us liberally? No, the word liberal means bountiful. It means an abundance. And uh, um, that's, that's why the liberals in this country have adopted that term liberal. Because they want to be abundant and they want to be giving. The only problem is they want to give your money, not theirs. Uh, That's where it falls apart. 
uh, if you're going to be truly liberal, that means you take what you have and give it to others. Not steal from, I mean, take from someone else. And, well, sometimes it is stealing. And, and give it to someone else. That's, that's not biblical liberality. God takes what he has, which is wisdom. He has no end to his wisdom. There's no limits. There's, there's no supply shortage on the God side of wisdom. And he'll give it to all men in abundance. You know, God has given wisdom to unsaved people. Hello? God is willing to give it to anybody who will take it. And He doesn't upbraid you. Have you ever been in a situation where you needed help and you went to the person whose responsibility it was, maybe it worked to help you, and they said, what's the matter with you? You stupid or something? You know, a lot of people think about God like that. I'm not going to ask God for wisdom. He'll think I'm dumb. No, I'm sorry. I hate to tell you this. He already knows we're dumb. Amen? He already knows that we lack wisdom. He's not going to condemn us for asking for something that He wants to give us. It says, Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And what's that last phrase there? And it shall be given him. God will give it to you. But I want to warn you, When God gives you His wisdom, it's going to make you agree with His Word. So, if you're of the attitude that you're not enjoying uh, the road of life that God has put you on, and you go to God and you ask for Him to remove the difficulties, and He doesn't, Then you say, well, God, that's not working, so I'm going to ask for wisdom. And God says, I'm going to give you wisdom, but when you get it, you're going to agree with me. You know what? That was Balaam's problem. He already knew what God said. We read about Balaam in the book of Jude. After all of that was over, he went back and had a conference with old Balak and said, Here, if you want to mess God's people up, get some of your pretty girls and dress them all up and get them to go visit the Israelites and invite them to the worship of your God. And that's what happened. And there were some wicked things that went on, and it was Balaam's counsel that brought it about. Why? Because Balaam had already decided he was going to get some of that that Balak was offering. You see, you have to make a decision. Because the next verse says, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. 
Now, I have heard this verse stretched so many ways. Well, if you'll just ask in, in faith and, and believe and don't doubt, God will give it to you. And you turn on TBN and they'll talk about fur coats and Cadillacs and big bank accounts and all that garbage. Uh, I was walking up the street with, I think it was with Stephen the other day, and there's a brand new, one of them big Cadillac SUVs with all the fancy wheels. And I mean, it's an $80,000 vehicle, real easy. And the guy had it parked up on the curb and was ready to bend those $600 rims. And I'm sitting here, you know, somebody's got a whole lot more money than they do ability to drive. <laughs> uh you know why God doesn't give us all those things? Because we just mess them up and then we'd feel bad about it and then we would be all distracted from doing what's important. This idea of wavering here is not just simply doubting. But how many times have we prayed... To God, I just want your will to be done. But, Lord, if you'd really like to do something to please me, here's how I'd like to have it done. Now, nobody would talk to God that way, really. But we do, don't we? That's wavering. That's the wavering that's being spoken about. It's not just sitting here... Well, God, will you please give me wisdom? I know I'm really bereft of it. And the angels are saying, Amen! But God, would you really give it to me? But, you know, I'm not sure. That's not what it's talking about. It's asking wisdom from God according to my understanding of life. It's saying, God, will you please do things my way for a change? Just this, just this, just, just, just this one time. Here's what happens when you do that. It says you're like a wave of the sea. Driven with the wind and tossed. You ever wondered where waves come from? Somebody said, oh, it's the moon and the moving of the tide and all of that. Well, that's part of it. But the waves that really do the damage... Uh, when, when uh, talking about the surface waves, not the Tucson, to, uh, tsunamis and stuff like that, but that comes from the wind whipping up the water. That's why the most dangerous place to go boating is on these shallow inland lakes, especially the ones that are up in the mountains, because that water uh, air will come down over those mountains into the valley where the lake is, and it will get that water churning. And I'll tell you what, there's been many a person drowned because the wind got the waves going, and that water has no place to go. It's just like taking water in a cup and sloshing it around. Or putting a big blender, if you've ever done that, one of those little blenders says, oh, you can mix your drink right up and stick it in there and it ends up all over the kitchen. Uh, that's what happens when the wind gets those waves going. 
And the Bible says, listen, you're just like a wave. You're driven with the wind. You're tossed to and fro. Why? Because in your heart, you're refusing to accept God's direction for your life. Why do we refuse to accept God's direction in our life? Because we lack wisdom. If we were to get wisdom, we would surrender to what the Lord has for us. Do you see how this now just flows? It's not chopped up. It's one thought as James is bringing this through to us. He's saying, listen, you need to... The issue is, if you're not willing to let patience have her perfect work, you lack wisdom, go to God. But if you're going to go to God and ask wisdom, the problem isn't God. He giveth to all men and liberally. He upbraideth not. You will receive it. But if you are asking for God's wisdom so you can get your way, you're just going to be tossed to and fro. It's one of the saddest things as a preacher is watching people refuse God's direction in their life and they start getting tossed to and fro. And we get to the next verse. uh, Verse 7 says, For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. And yet they do. And, And they get mad when God doesn't answer their prayers. And they accuse God of things that is not anywhere near the character or purpose of God. And if we keep this up, we get to verse 8. It says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Sometime I'd like to preach the message. Dr. Jekyll goes to church. How many of you are familiar with the famous tale of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, where Dr. Jekyll was this wonderful man who spent his life helping others. But he had an alter alter ego, I guess, another nature inside, and he found a way to transform himself so that no one would know that he was the notorious Mr. Hyde who was capable of committing every crime known to man. And, And because he altered his appearance so because of the chemicals he was able to mix up, no one could accuse him of doing the wrong. And so, what did he do? He got away with it, didn't he? But, it, but there came a time when Dr. Jekyll could not control Mr. Hyde. And Mr. Hyde won out and destroyed Dr. Jekyll. I mean, that's the story. But, you know, fiction has nothing on fact. A double-minded man. Can you just get the picture? How many of you have ever been to the zoo or the history museum, natural history museum, and seen a two-headed rattlesnake? It's a fairly common... um, 
deformity there. But of course, uh, it doesn't, the double-headed snake, it literally has two complete heads and they go down into one body. And, and the snake will live until it has to shed its skin. And you know what? It can't do it. It might get through the first one as a little baby, but uh, it, it won't be able to because two heads cannot work to get the skin shed, and the skin won't shed, and then it gets compressed inside, and it just literally grows itself to death. And uh, that's what happens to a lot of Christians. You know, this is not talking to unsaved people. As a saved person, if you reject God's wisdom continually, you'll, you'll develop two minds. There'll be part of you that serves God and is faithful and just as sweet and loving as the Holy Spirit can make you. And then there's another part of you that when no one's looking and no one knows what's going on, it's almost like two individuals. You know, they have all kinds of things, excuses for that type of behavior. But the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You cannot get away with it for long. Now, turn with me to James chapter 4 and verse 8. And by the way, James chapter 1 and James chapter 4 are the only places in the Bible where this term double-minded is found in our Bible. Verse 8 says, Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your what? Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. The problem is not sitting down and trying to get your thinking straightened out. The problem is getting your heart clean. And the word pure just simply means pure. It means without mixture. Do you think that's why Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart. But you won't be pure in heart until you start out with spiritual poverty and mourning and work your way there. You know, it's, it's very similar, if I could use this illustration. I, uh, I believe it's a parent's duty to make a big deal of little things when your children are little. So that you don't have to pretend that big problems are little when your children get big. Amen? And part of that is eating. And my wife will put things on the plate, or one of my daughters will put things on the plate, and little Joey or little Jason will look at that, and mm-mm. And daddy goes, mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Now who's going to win? And uh, usually it'll get to a point where I said, now listen, we can have a lot of trouble, but you're still going to eat what's on the plate. Or you could just eat it. 
and we have a clash of the wills. Now, God has equipped parents with the ability to win that battle if they will so choose. Uh, But don't forget there is a free will in that little body that can be awful hard to beat. And I'm not to to win the battle with. Poor choice of words. And... um, You know, I just made a decision when, well, actually, before our little first one was born, before Peter came along, that I was not going to lose that battle, that that I was just going to win no matter what. And you know what? It works, but it's not very pleasant. It's not very much fun. In fact... I I would dare say that it's much more unpleasant for the child than it is for me, and that is purposeful. That's, we want to make it that way. But you know that children can get around that thing, and it'll come up in a different area, and they may eat everything on their plate, but they're not going to clean their room. You know what? You never get a break from being a parent. Now, let me tell you something. God never takes a break from being God. And He can make your life a whole lot more miserable than you make Him. You know what? You can't make God miserable. It's not possible. But if you want him to, he can really make your life miserable. But God will not put up with you forever, my friend. He'll let you become double-minded if you so choose. And just like the person that wavered, who was a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed, blown around, not of their own accord. I mean, sometimes we get under circumstances and we just feel like we're being pushed and pulled in the direction. Hey, you know what? The red lights ought to be going off. Alarm, alarm. Why? Because I'm wavering If I'm being like that, if I had wisdom, I wouldn't be tossed to and fro. Isn't that what it's saying? It says, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. When you start praying and saying, Lord, would you please maybe answer this prayer? You better know you are in deep spiritual trouble. And you can easily slip into this double-mindedness. And it's going to affect every part of your relationship with God. You're just going to be unstable. You'll be here for a while sitting up front and then you kind of slip toward the back and then you slip out the door 
And then you do all kinds of horrible things and fall away. And then all of a sudden you realize, hey, I can't live in the pig pen. I'm a Christian and come back. And and some people live on that roller coaster. Just in and out and in and out. If you want to get off the roller coaster, if you want to get some stability and direction in your life, You know, sometimes I'll be talking to an older person and just because of things they express, I'll say, well, what are you going to be when you grow up, even though they already been grown up for quite a while? You see, that's the double-minded man. And it's something that can be solved. You have to purify your hearts. You see, if you want anything, if you want anything other than James chapter 1 and verse 2 in your life, that's where you're going. That's where you're going to end up. You've got to come to James chapter 1 and verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. Until you get there, you're not getting anywhere else. The reason you're not there, because we lack wisdom. Where can we get wisdom? we got to go to God. He'll give it to us. But if you still haven't surrendered yourself to God, you're wavering. And I don't care what you think and what you are holding on to, you're not getting from God what He wants you to have. And it's going to lead to this double-mindedness and you're just, you're just going to be up when things are going your way and down when things aren't. Guess what? God wants us to be looking to Him when things are going good, and when things are going bad, when things are going horrible. What? Well, because patience is working on me. And sometimes it has to cut and tear and remove things that I hold dear to myself. I went to a podiatrist a while ago and he cut some things out that I held very dear because it hurt. And he's sitting there going, oh, did I hurt you? No, not at all. I mean, come on. But you know what? That had to be pulled out to get rid of the pain. Amen? And sometimes God's got to do that. And we have to have enough wisdom to go back and let the doc do it a second and third time so that things will start growing right instead of growing wrong. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us each one of us in this room get to James chapter 1, verse 2. And Lord, we'd be able to see our lack of wisdom and that we would surrender our will completely to yours. Lord, that we would not be driven of the winds of life and tossed to and fro. That we would not 
allow ourselves to slip into the double-minded man that is unstable in all of his ways. Lord, I pray that you would help us to surrender to your will. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, let's just keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And if God has spoken to you, you'd like to spend a few minutes at the altar. The altar is open.